This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, August 5th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, local law enforcement trains for active shooter. San Miguel approves largest land conservation in county. Telluride adopts construction mitigation changes and a mountain weather forecast. It won't be long before the Telluride High School is once again bustling with students, going from one class to another, chatting with friends. But on a clear evening in August, the lobby of the Palm Theater is bustling with law enforcement and paramedics. It's unfortunate that it's come to something that we have to train in our schools or something like this, but you know, having Columbine happened over 20 years ago, I mean, we're expected to be proficient at these at these these scenarios. Telluride Chief Marshal Josh Compt. Officers from the Telluride Marshal's Department, Mountain Village Police Department, San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, and Telluride Fire Protection District are gathered together for an active shooter training. Chief Compt starts with a debrief on how it's going to go. We have two scenarios. We're going to just be literally walking through these. So we're going to walk through it, work on going through the motions, make mistakes. The training on this night is focusing on getting a shooter contained in a location, moving rescue task forces into the building, triaging victims, and getting them to safety. Victims in this training are portrayed by pieces of paper with descriptions written on them. Some say deceased. Others describe how the individual is wounded. If you're asking for stuff at the Unified Command, ask for it. Right? We're not going to have a dispatcher repeating that or saying it, but we want to hear you guys voice what you're doing. Um, you know, if you're asking for multiple helicopters, multiple units from other agencies, voice it as, as realistic as we can to get those agencies rolling from the law enforcement side, same thing, just voice what you're doing. In the first scenario, a shooter is near the gym in the intermediate school. So it's uh, Monday morning, we'll say 11 o'clock, Jimmy's our SRO, Jeremy's our deputy working patrol. We get respond, Jeremy's here for a meeting, we get calls of the shots fired here on in the intermediate school on the north side. Go. As they're passing, their main job is to, to go to the threat. So we have our role players, which is our piece of the paper down here, which should indicate to them with the open door as well that this is where our first mass casualty incident is. Two right here, multiple victims in one with two. Watch stairs, watch stairs. Those are out. Those are on the plane. I'm sorry, keep pushing. Outside, keep pushing. So I ran to the boys' room here, 116, 1116. They're locked in. They're locked in. 222. Suspect that is contained. Start forming a rescue task force. So it should work as they should start seeing these issues, start seeing that we have in this room a lot of people down. So this should be our first casualty collection point. So we want them to grab people, bring them in here, and then start treating as best they can. And then law enforcement will provide cover on the windows and the doors and everything. Several deceased in front of us. As soon as she comes out, mm-hmm. I'll push into this room and cover. Once I clear this room, she'll hold here and you guys can hit these people, okay? All right, move it. Checking for pulse, airway, deceased. Okay, right shoulder, awake. Show me two fingers on your right hand. Following commands. About 10 people down in here, be a good CCP. Okay. The scenario wraps in about 15 minutes. Law enforcement set up a security corridor. Paramedics carry victims to safety. It didn't go completely flawlessly. There's room for improvement. But Comp notes that's the point. Training to get better and to be prepared for the unexpected. It's all going to be game time decisions, right? And 
you know, you guys heard me say it before, my favorite coach by Mike Tyson, everyone's got to play until you get punched in the face, right? So if we're going to come in here with the best case scenario, this is what we're going to do, and it's going to change. It's always going to change. It's all to ensure, Chief Comp says, they're up to the task if the unfortunate time comes. More than 9,000 acres in the West End are now protected through San Miguel County's Land Heritage Program. It's the largest land conservation easement in county history at 9,257 acres. That's Janet Kask, Director of Parks and Open Space for San Miguel County. The land covers five ranches owned by the Bray family. The ranches span between San Miguel and Montrose counties. Creating the easement was a collaborative effort between the Bray family, the Colorado Cattlemen's Agricultural Land Trust, and San Miguel County. You know, and it's really a win-win for everyone because not only, um, you know, with wildlife, et cetera, you know, it uh, really addresses the Bray family's legacy with this land and being able to keep the uh, their livestock operation within their family. The new conservation easement, Cask says, dictates how the land is able to be used. So the landowner keeps their land, but it's just minus the development rights. And then the conservation easement binds that current and future owner um, to that land conservation easement. Um, so, you know, it's like I said, it's a win-win for everyone. It protects open space. Um, and it rewards resource management and, you know, and it provides an alternative way for landowners to take equity out of their land. And it, you know, it encourages viable agriculture and protection of wildlife habitat and riparian areas. According to Cask, the ranches are home to a number of animals, including Gunnison sage-grouse, black bear, elk, pronghorn and golden eagles, and a plethora of insects, plants and lichen. The Bray family will continue to use the land for agriculture and ranching purposes. Construction in the town of Telluride may soon be less impactful. This week, town council approved several amendments to the town's construction mitigation plan manual. The manual is a tool for construction mitigation, but it's also the resource for the building community to accomplish the mitigation. That's Planning and Building Director Ron Quarles summarizing the changes with Council, which has been discussing the amendments for several months. Among the changes is a requirement for signage on sites. I would provide some basic information, including a QR code that would take you to the approved construction and mitigation plan that's required with the building permit. Hours of construction, and uh, contact information. The rate structure for parking passes would also change, with fees increasing for higher numbers of passes, rather than the current flat rate per pass. The intent of this change is to discourage the maximum number of parking spaces. Passes would also be limited to during construction hours, essentially eliminating overnight parking. Crews will also have to submit a parking plan, which would restrict parking where there's limited road capacity or around where other crews are already parked. The intent, Coral says, is to incentivize builders to work together. If a parking plan is submitted in an area where there is existing construction, uh, there would be fewer options for the 
second person in the door, essentially. The changes also prohibit construction involving heavy or loud equipment on major holidays. Council unanimously approved the changes to Telluride's Construction Mitigation Plan Manual. Anything is possible when you dive into a good book. And this weekend, the Lone Cone Library is wading into the oceans of possibilities that come with reading. To close out the summer, the library is hosting an Oceans of Possibilities end of summer reading community extravaganza with a marine biologist speaker for kids, games, activities, hot dogs, chips, drinks, and watermelon. The Oceans of Possibilities end of summer reading community extravaganza will take place on Saturday, August 6th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Lone Cone Library in Norwood. August is forecasted to be wetter than normal for much of the Colorado River Basin. That's especially the case in Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, and Arizona. Arizona State climatologist Aaron Ann Saffel says additional moisture will build on an already rainy summer in the southwest. What we're expecting in August is to continue with an active type of monsoon, and we're kind of happy to see that. Um, and so that hopefully will mitigate some of the drought. Summer rains will give a boost to plants, replenish groundwater, and help suppress wildfire, but won't refill the Colorado River's biggest reservoirs. This latest forecast from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration also shows cooler temperatures for the southwestern U.S., even while the rest of the country will skew hotter. Colorado is ramping up its efforts to distribute the monkeypox vaccine after President Biden declared it a health emergency that includes recruiting more health care providers to help. Colorado has gotten about 10,000 vaccine doses from the federal government and expects to get more soon, but the state says supplies will remain extremely limited, and only five testing locations were available this week. The state is reporting 79 cases of the virus as of Friday afternoon. Governor Jared Polis says the state health department will expand testing and vaccine clinics in the coming weeks. Colorado is also launching a new online dashboard to track cases and get on a wait list for vaccine appointments. A statewide recount confirms that Mesa County Clerk Tina Peters lost her primary race for Secretary of State by 90,000 votes. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, some election officials are condemning her ongoing efforts to cast doubt on the results. Matt Crane is the former Republican county clerk in Arapahoe County. He leads the state's county clerks association and says Peter's recount effort was, quote, disgraceful. He says candidates have a legal right to request them, but Peters is perpetuating conspiracies over facts. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold says only a handful of votes were affected by the recount. Both Peters and her top opponent picked up 13 votes. Elbert County's clerk also found 37 ballots that were not opened. Peters is raising unfounded claims of voter fraud and paid $250,000 for the recount. I'm Scott Franz. With an estimated 170,000 tons of organic material ending up in western slope dumps, communities are looking for other options for this waste. 
nutrient-rich composting material, often referred to as black gold, is being created in the dry adobe hills at a commercial composting site near the base of the Grand Mesa in Delta County, with some of that waste turned to gold coming from Telluride. For KVNF and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Lisa Young reports. Carbondale-based company CHT Resources, which stands for Collection, Hauling, and Transfer, continues to improve its commercial composting operations near Adobe Buttes Landfill in Delta County. The 240-acre site operates under a Certificate of Designation from the Colorado Department of Health and Environment for roughly 80 acres. CHT also worked closely with Delta County prior to the adoption of its land use code. I asked CEO Erica Sparhawk what it was like working with the county on the current 14-acre project. Oh, they were fantastic. We're one of the only certificates of designation they have. You know, it's not a process that they go through regularly like other approvals. And uh, I was super impressed with the level of diligence and thoroughness that their staff provided. They were really great to communicate with. And then uh, we had to go in front of the Planning and Zoning Commission, the county commissioners, um, and we got unanimous support from both of both of those entities. An early morning tour of the facility yielded a wealth of information about the process of turning septic waste, biosolids, food waste, and yard waste into rich compost. These piles need to cure for 90 days. And generally, that just, as the temperatures come down, they're kind of going through their final stages of composting and then, you know, to be a more stable product. And then once it's finished after that 90-day cure, then we test it, make sure it's um, safe for our for metals and for um, fecal coliform because we are, you know, using the biosolids in there. Jake DeWolf, co-owner and day-to-day operations manager, commented on the use of biosolids in the composting process. Turns out to be a great feedstock and it's safe and a guy that we look to on the front range who has one of the biggest composting operations over there kind of said it this way. It's like, that's the most tested feedstock we get. I mean, it's tested, tested, tested at the wastewater treatment plant. We get it. We test, 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 test. And the, and the research shows it's safe. Whether, you know, people want to put it on their veggie garden, that's fine. There, I think there's a ton of uses for a bio-solid uh, compost. Commercial composting transforms organic materials into usable compost while diverting waste and extending the lifetime of area land fills. Large-scale composting also reduces methane emissions known to cause climate warming. Organic materials are the largest waste stream being dumped into limited space in Colorado County and city land fills. That represents roughly 36% of reusable debris that could go into composting being buried beneath the surface. While much of the organic material at the Delta County site is locally provided, a well-known ski town in San Miguel County has chosen to truck its biosolid waste nearly two hours away to help CHT produce black gold. The city of Telluride now brings their biosolids here, and that comes from a wastewater treatment plant. They were taking them to a landfill. Part of their community goals is to be more responsible with their waste and compost as much as they can. So they bring their waste here now. It's estimated that up to 170,000 tons of organic material end up in western slope dumps. Composting is an environmentally responsible way to create a high-quality finished product that can be used on lawns, gardens, and fields and serves as an example of a productive circular economic model for local communities. In an effort to keep usable waste out of the nearby landfill, CHT is currently collecting yard or green waste free of charge. 
They are also working to develop a new project to clean septic wastewater for irrigation. Yeah, we, we dewater that, that septic. Basically, the, the midwater, you could call it, just would go down to, to be evaporated, and then we use the solids in the compost. Uh, we're actually refining that process a little with a, a dewater that we just got that will really kind of help clean up the, the midwater. It's not dischargeable standards, but where we can then um, irrigate with that. Going forward, CHT will continue to grow their current feedstocks while looking for additional food waste from businesses, schools, correctional facilities, and hospitals willing to haul the organic waste to the site. For KVNF, I'm Lisa Young. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight with partly cloudy skies and a low in the mid-50s. Saturday should be sunny in the morning with showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon and evening. The high is in the mid-70s with a low around 55 degrees. Sunday calls for partly sunny skies with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The high is around 70 degrees. Sunday night, expect mostly cloudy skies with a chance of showers and thunderstorms and a low near 50 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, August 5th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.